it's a interesting to think about. If you want to be first, you have to be last. If you want to be great, you have to be a servant. It's a, a paradox. Words that contradict each other, but in reality reveal a truth. G.K. Chesterton said that a paradox is a truth standing on her head to get attention. It's kind of like jumbo shrimp. Less is more. Or Kentucky football. It looks like a contradiction, but in reality, it's a really good truth. Well, Jesus loved to use wordplay in his teaching. We see him in the, call the Pharisees. He would call them blind guides. He would call them whitewashed tombs. They looked beautiful on the outside, but they were dead on the inside. Or when a poor widow put a couple of copper coins into the temple treasury, Jesus says that she gave more than all of those who were wealthy. It's a paradox. Well, when we get to Mark chapter 8, we see Jesus teaching the crowd and teaching the disciples the cost of discipleship. And we see that there is a high price to following Jesus. It's going to cost you. You see, in the upside down kingdom of Jesus, we gain by losing. Let me show you. Grab your Bible and turn with me to Mark chapter 8. We are walking through the gospel of Mark as a faith family, seeing Jesus on the move. Just as Aslan was on the move in Narnia, we see Jesus on the move in the gospel of Mark. It is a fast-paced, hard-hitting gospel account in which we see lots of verbs. We see lots of actions of Jesus. What's interesting is Mark does not emphasize the teachings of Jesus as much as he does the actions of Jesus. But when we've gotten here to Mark chapter 8, where we, where we see Jesus teaching on discipleship, teaching on what it means to follow him, we want to take some time now to slow down a little bit, get into these bite-sized chunks of truth that we see Jesus laying out for us here as he is teaching what it means to follow him. And it, it's amazing. Not only was Jesus on the move then, he's on the move now. Right now, though, it seems like the world is falling apart, that there's seams that are being stretched and torn in our nation and in our community and culture. Jesus is still on the move. In fact, if, if, if you want to give a testimony of how Jesus is on the move, I would love to, to hear it. Um, you can email it to me uh, at my email address, kbruce at gowestwood.org. I'd love to get stories of how Jesus is on the move in your life, in your family, in your workplace, uh, through ministry, however we can celebrate that as a church. Because we see not only in scripture where Jesus is on the move here, he is on the move now. When we get to Mark chapter eight, we see Jesus has taken his disciples on a retreat to Caesarea Philippi. It's there that he has revealed himself as the Christ. He is the Messiah they've been looking for. He then tells his disciples that he is going to be dying and then rising again on the third day. Simon Peter doesn't like what Jesus is saying, so he rebukes Jesus. And Jesus rebukes him right back and says, get behind me, Satan. 
Why? It's because Jesus would not let anyone or anything come between him and his ultimate purpose of going to the cross. Jesus' mission was the cross, for it was through the cross that Jesus would provide forgiveness for sinners, redemption for those who are lost, and make a way so that you and I can be restored back into a right relationship with God. Jesus then takes some time in verse 34 and following in which he begins teaching his disciples and teaching this crowd what it means to follow him. He calls everyone in to huddle up and he teaches what it means to be a disciple. We saw two weeks ago in verse 34 where this call to deny yourself, take up your cross and to follow me in Mark 8, 34. It's a revolution against your flesh. This is an all-out war against the desires of your heart in which you say no to sin and self, in which you submit to Jesus and you follow him. And then like an explorer who takes his spyglass and brings it into focus, Jesus further clarifies this cost of discipleship. Look with me at Mark chapter 8, beginning with verse 35. The scripture says this. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? What can anyone give in exchange for his life? Putting Jesus first in your life may look like losing in the eyes of the world when in reality, following Jesus is gain. We notice here in the text how we gain by, by losing. I want you to see this. Number one, you lose this temporary life and you gain eternal life. Verse 35. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. So you lose the temporary and you gain the eternal. Jesus is explaining that those who want to hold on to this current life, ultimately you're going to lose it. If you seek to save this life, you're going to lose it forever. You see, eternity is at stake in this reality. Jesus tells us this in John chapter 12. He says, the one who loves his life will lose it. And the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. You see, eternal life hangs in the balance on how you view your life. If you view your life as more precious to you than Jesus, then Jesus is saying you're going to lose it. You cannot keep what you're holding on to if you're holding on to anything other than Jesus. But if you deny these things, if you say no to the acceptance of the world, if you say no to the glory and fame of your name, if you say no to safety and comfort and security and trying to make sure that your life is the best that it possibly could be for your own glory, Jesus says, if you say no to that, you will save it. It's through the losing that you gain. You, you deny these things. You deny sin. You deny self. You lose acceptance and glory and safety and comfort. And you grab hold of the gospel. This is why risk is right 
when it comes to the gospel. You risk your safety. You risk your comfort and you gain Christ. We, we have brothers and sisters all around the world of various ethnicities, skin tones, and worldviews, but they are risking their lives for the sake of the gospel. Why would anyone do that? It's because if you were willing to lose this life, that is where you save it. Jesus is showing a paradox, a truth upside down as to what it means to follow him. You gain by losing. You see, following Jesus requires saying, Jesus, you are more important than my own life. Jesus, you are more important than personal safety. Jesus, you're more important than financial security. Jesus, you're more important than being accepted and being praised by the world. We lay it all down when we follow Jesus. You see, it's when we forego a white-knuckled grip on preserving and protecting our lives that it's then that we gain Christ. Great missionary and martyr to Ecuador, Jim Elliott said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. If you are seeking to save your life, to protect your life at all costs, to make sure that you have as much experience of ease and comfort and safety, then Jesus is saying here, you're gonna lose it. You see, safety is a mirage. Has 2020 taught us nothing? You're not safe. And Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, you cannot love your life more than you love me. If you're going to follow Jesus, your allegiance to him must be far greater than your own self-preservation. Now the world says, that's crazy. That's bananas. That's over the top. You're being a fanatic. Jesus calls it discipleship. You see, he's calling to absolute surrender to him in which we prioritize Jesus over everything, including our very own lives. Because Jesus is also calling us here to freedom. Now, Kenneth, what are you talking about? How is losing my life and gaining it later lead to freedom? Well, let me ask you this. Let's say you sell out for Jesus. And you say, Jesus, I'm all in. You have absolute authority over my life. You are Lord and King and boss and master. I'm now submitting my life completely to you. You posture your heart there. What could possibly be the worst thing that happens to you? Death. <laughs> the beauty of the gospel is that even death has been defeated. You see, you, you lose your life and what happens? You gain Christ. You see, the worst possible thing that could happen to you is no longer on the table. Do you see the liberty and the freedom of saying, you know what, my life is no longer my own. You see, the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus died on the cross for one of the purposes of which is to save you from fear of death. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 it says, now since the children have flesh and blood in common, Jesus also shared in these, meaning Jesus took on flesh, the eternal son of God. He became like one of us. Why? So that through his death, 
through the cross, he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil, and then watch this, and free those who were held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. One of the things that Jesus accomplished through the cross was to set you free from fear of death. And so when you lock arms with Jesus, you submit to Jesus and say, Lord, it's through, I'm gonna give up my life. I'm not gonna hold on to it. I'm gonna submit to you. He's saying now, not only are you gonna gain through losing, I'm gonna set you free. You no longer have to worry about trying to save your life. You don't have to worry about your day of death. You don't have to worry about how you're gonna die because I will be with you even to the end of the age. What are you terrified of? What are you scared of? You see, when you follow Jesus, even your own life is preserved and protected by the Almighty and you don't have to do it yourself. Now, we walk in wisdom. We don't make foolish choices, but we entrust our souls to a faithful and good creator. You see, the cross of Christ sets you free from fear of death. But if you try and save your life, if you regard your own life as more important than Christ, then you receive eternal death. Don't miss that. Feel the weight of what Jesus is saying here. He came to set you free from all of that. So are we just to be generic in our self-denial? Do we just say no to what we want just for the sake of that? No, no, no. Look at verse 35. Jesus says, but whoever loses his life because of who? Me. And the gospel will save it. You see, the call to follow Christ is one in which you're saying, Lord, I'm willing to lose it all in order to gain you. And I'm willing to suffer for the cause of Christ. I'm willing to endure the worst possible things that could happen to me because I have Christ. Jesus illustrates this in Matthew 13, in which he talks about losing and gaining. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, don't miss that, He goes and sells everything he has and he buys that field. So a man's out in the field, he comes across treasure. He realizes what he has found. So he goes home, sells all of his possessions, losing, so that he can buy the field where he found the treasure. And he is all in on that. So in his losing, there's gain. Why? Because he just realized he has found the ultimate treasure. Jesus goes on to say, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had and bought it. So now we have a merchant who finds a pearl of great price and says, this is so valuable, I'm gonna sell everything I have so that I can possess this. This is so significant. This is so overwhelming. I'm willing to lose in order for me to gain. Well, when you find the infinite value of Jesus, you're willing to sell everything. 
You're willing to say, Jesus, I'm all in. I'm willing to give up all of my worldly wealth, all of my worldly goods to gain Christ. And when you realize that Jesus is the ultimate treasure, Jesus is the pearl of great price. You're saying, you know what? I'm willing to give up man's praise. I'm willing to give up worldly, worldly, earthly treasures. I'm willing to give up my future plans. I'm willing to give up the me-centered life because I have found the most valuable treasure in the world. And it may appear like sacrifice, but when you realize what you receive, you realize that Jesus is far greater than anything in this world. Now hear me on this. Yeah, you're, you're gonna lose the temporary. If you're going to be all in on Jesus, you're going to be mocked, hated, rejected, made fun of, laughed at. You're going to be pitied. You're going to be left out. You're going to be considered weird by this world. But you know something? You know something that the world doesn't know. You have found treasure. You have found the pearl of great price. And because you know whom you have believed in, you're willing to endure all of the mockery of the world. You're willing to forego the wealth that's so temporary in this world. It's fleeting, it's passing, it's a vapor because you have found Christ and he is the eternal, imperishable reward. And so you grab hold of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was willing to do this for you. We see at the cross where Jesus was willing to lose his life in order to gain you. And the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus not only gave up his own life for you, he took it back up again on the third day. You see, the gospel is a beautiful picture of the power of God and the love of God on display through his son so that you can be purchased. I I did a funeral this week and as I stood over the grave, I looked around me at a sea of headstones. And I thought, boy, what a reminder. In a few years, this is going to be me. It's going to be all of us. And yet so many are fighting and clamoring and gripping and trying to hold on to things that they can't take with them. And so Jesus here is calling discipleship saying, you've got to be willing to let the things of this world go. If you're going to follow me, you've got to realize that I'm far better than any of this gold, silver, or diamonds that are here. I'm far more of a greater treasure. And I'm a treasure that you can't lose. Not only will I be with you through the rest of your life, when you take your last breath, you're going to be with me. Be all in on Jesus, even to the point in which you say, I do not consider my life of value to me if I might just finish my life of testifying to the gospel of the grace of God. So we see here in Jesus, in this paradox that he lays out of gaining by losing, that you have to be willing to lose out on this temporary in order to gain the eternal. But the second truth that we see here in the text is that you lose this temporary 
world. Verse 36, Jesus says, for what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? What can anyone give in exchange for his life? Some of your translations might say, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his own soul? That word for soul, it's a reference to the human soul that gives us life. Jesus is saying, so what if you have all of this money? So what if you have a bunch of stuff? So what if you've got a big house and nice cars and nice clothes and all these followers on Instagram? You go after all of that and you lose your eternal soul. Verse 36 is a warning. Heaven and hell hang in the balance of the allegiance of your heart. And Jesus is warning that if you're going to follow him, you've got to be prepared to lose your life and deny this world. You can have everything this, this world has to, has to offer you, y'all, and you lose. You lose. Suffering in a cold, dark Roman prison the Apostle Paul penned his final words to Timothy, begging him to come see him. And he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, because Demas has deserted me since he loved this present world. Demas, Paul's friend, his co-laborer, his brother, a man whom he had traveled the world with. They went to Thessalonica together and helped plant a church. And here's Paul at the end of his life. And this brother who had stuck with him through thick and thin has said, you know what, I'm out. He fell in love with this present world. How heartbreaking for the apostle as he gets towards the end of his journey of following Jesus and he sees Brothers who really weren't brothers at all. Men and women who walk away from the gospel. What about you? When you get to the end of your life, will you walk away from Jesus? Will you fall in love with the things of this world? In 1 John chapter 2, the apostle John says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 1 John 2, 17, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So if you want to save your life in this world, if you want to be liked, you want to be popular, if you want to be on the right side of history according to the world, then you can't have Christ. I think this is probably one of the hardest parts about pastoral ministry. It's people whom you love, people whom you have invested in, who just say, you know what? I'm going to go the way of the world. I'm walking away. And you know what I've found is that it's not usually like this abrupt moment. It's a slow fade. Con convictions start turning into compromise. Difficult things become shortcuts. Getting away from the basics and foundations of intimacy with Jesus, of prayer and Bible study, accountability, community. One of the, if I could just open up our staff meeting for you all to see, like this past week, we were grieving together just over this separation from you. 
Like you are our people and we can't be with you to shepherd you. So hard for us. And one of the concerns of my heart as your pastor is that I may never see some of you ever again. Is that you're gonna fall in love with this world and walk away. And I don't wanna plead with you. Please don't do that. You have to choose. What does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and forfeit your own soul? Moses faced the same temptation that you and I do. He too was tempted to go the way of the world. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 11 that by faith Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and he chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. Watch this. For he considered the reproach for the sake of Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt since he was looking ahead to the reward. Moses was growing up in the royal family of the most wealthy nation and powerful nation in the world. And he said, no, I would rather go and suffer with the people of God. I'm willing to forego all of the earthly treasures of this world. Why? Because Jesus is better. There is a reward that is coming. Well, here you and I sit by God's grace, in the most powerful and wealthy nation in the world, and we are susceptible to the same danger. That if we seek to set up camp here, if we do not see ourselves as sojourners, as foreigners who are just passing through, marching to Zion, heading to our new promised land, if we think that we're home, we're in trouble. We're not home yet. And our reward is not going to be found here and found with money or with silver or gold or 401ks or mortgages. Our reward is imperishable and it's up in heaven where no one can steal it and it can't be destroyed. You remain faithful to Jesus and do not fall for the trap of the temptations of the glitter of this world. It will take you down and your soul is at stake. If we open our eyes to the world around us, we see person after person after person who has fallen in love with this world and they end up empty. We see those around us who pursue wealth and power and influence and popularity and greatness in the eyes of their peers only to be in, end up in a place where they're not happy. How many musicians and actors and athletes and artists and uh, business leaders. They long for the shine of the world only to end up empty, alone, and miserable, and usually broke. How many lottery winners end up bankrupt and usually dead? How many people gamble their money away, hoping to grab hold of some wealth in this world? only to lose it. Hear me on this. Worldliness is deadly. 
satisfaction for your soul will never be found in this world apart from Christ. This world tastes like champagne, but it is poison. It feels like comfort. It's a coffin. It appears like acceptance, but it's a snare. It looks like power. It's roulette. You see, but it's not just the rich and the famous who are susceptible to worldliness. It's people like me and you. We are tempted to fall in love with this world rather than falling in love with Christ. We long for the things of this world that are shiny and popular and noticeable. So here's what I want to do this morning. I'm going to give you a test. It's five questions. You answer silently in your heart. The test is this. Is worldliness creeping into your heart? Question one. Are you content not being famous? Question two. Are you content not being wealthy? Question three. Are you content selling all of your possessions and giving it to the poor? Question four. Are you content being forgotten? Question five. Is Jesus enough for you? You see, far too many people, they give their focus and attention and affection towards this temporary life in which we're here for a few decades and then we are launched into eternity and so many go unprepared. You see, this call to deny yourself, to pick up your cross and to follow Jesus means you risk safety, you lose your life, you lose this world. It's a call to die. You die to self-glory. You die to the desire for worldly respect. You die to the desire for comfort. You die for the desire of earthly wealth. You die a thousand deaths so that we might gain Christ. And we must ultimately die to the desires of our hearts in order to save our lives. Now hear me, most people won't choose that. Jesus told us that. Wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many go through it. Narrow is the gate and difficult is the road that leads to life. And Jesus said, few find it. You see, this call to follow Jesus is the call to be like a fish swimming upstream against the current of this world. In Luke 12, Jesus talks about a rich man who plans to build bigger barns and to have a greater profits. He's seeking financial gain to the neglect of his soul. And Jesus says in Luke 12, 20, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is demanded of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? How foolish it is to seek to gain all that this world has to offer and forfeit your own soul. Oh, the warning of Jesus here is that if you have all that this world has to offer, and you pursue it, you lost. But if you forfeit all the temporary pleasures of this world and say, Jesus, you're greater. Jesus, you're better. 
you gain. Here, the warning of Paul against worldliness and the temptation of wealth. In 1 Timothy 6, he says, For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish, harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, here we go. Here's what's heartbreaking. Some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. If you pursue money and wealth at all costs, you lose. Jesus is far greater than any income you could ever acquire for yourself. And so as your pastor, I'm pleading with you, don't buy it. Don't go after the temporary glitter and glam of this world. It's fleeting. It's passing. Don't seek the praise of man. We'll see that next time when we get to verse 38, in which it's temporary. It doesn't last. There's only one applause that you and I are seeking after, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Question, how important is that million-dollar home going to be 10 billion years from now? How important is the praise of people who don't give a rip about Jesus? How important is that going to be in 10 billion years? Do not seek to be liked by this world. It's destruction. And Jesus is of far greater value. This week, I read an article about a, a famous rock and roll legend whose wife had passed away. And this magazine article had this quote about this family who had hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank. The article said, quote, the family had all the money in the world, but all the money in the world wasn't enough to keep her alive. Eventually, you're going to stand before the Lord and give an account. And that's a terrible day if you don't know Jesus. That's a terrible day if you've been storing up worldly wealth. That's a terrible day if you've sought after the pleasures of this world. It's a glorious day if Jesus is first. It's a day of reward if Jesus is the most important person in your life. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? I'll ask you that. What's more important than your own soul? Jesus asks these two questions in verses 36 and 37. They're rhetorical, but he's aiming for your heart. But the obvious answer to both of these questions is nothing. Nothing is more valuable than your soul. Nothing is gain if you give up your soul for the sake of this world. So Kenneth, what are you, what are you calling us to do? What, what's this task you're calling us to? And it's your impact point and it's this. Consider everything a loss compared to knowing and following Jesus. Consider everything a loss compared to knowing and following Jesus. The apostle Paul said it like this in Philippians 3.8. 
I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ. And Paul held on to this reality. If he gave up his life for Christ and the gospel, he would find it. And that is true for you. If you are saying, I'm willing to give up everything I have, if I could just have Christ, that is where you find life. Can you picture it? The apostle Paul being lifted to his feet, ushered out of his Roman prison, taken to the execution block, His body is draped over the granite. His head dangles just over the side. The Roman soldier lifts his sword. Paul takes a deep breath, closes his eyes. The sword falls. Paul opens his eyes. Gain. And that's true for you. And that's true for me. You let go of this life. Don't take this life so seriously. You give yourself completely to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's through the losing that you gain and what you get back is far greater than anything that this world could offer you it's permanent it's eternal it's imperishable it's a reward from the Lord Jesus Christ